Discussion, the podcast that aims to discuss sports of all sorts. I am AJ Mithen and I'm joined by my comrade in conversation, Andrew Donaldson. Hello, Andrew. Hello, AJ. How are you? I'm, I'm really well. Excellent. Thanks for asking. No worries. Anytime. Oh, what a good positive start we're <laughs> off to. Now, we will, as usual in episode six, we will discuss our five highlights from last week in the world of sport with a heavy focus on Australia. Mm-hmm. And then we will take on the issue of the week, which this week is... Jumping to conclusions. Yes, don't we love it? It'll make more sense when we get to it. Right. Now for the admin. As we know, a discussion is two ways. Us here in ASD Stadium and all of you listeners out there. We continue to give thanks to all of our listeners. We are approaching a 1,000 uh, listens at the moment on mm-hmm. our Wooshka statistics, uh, which is just fantastic. Um, and we thank everyone who gets in contact with us via Twitter at ASD underscore podcast or facebook.com slash a sporting discussion. Get involved so we can make sure that we are talking about issues that are of interest to you. We begin, as always, by recapping the week in sport. Andrew, take us through what you have watched. I was lucky enough on Good Friday to call both the Australia v Pakistan T20 and the South Africa vs West Indies T20 game with White Line Wireless. They were two games which promised a lot and delivered very, very little, which was (laughs) unfortunate, but that's what you get in T20. So I... Also went somewhere on Monday, but I imagine that this might be what you did on this weekend. We'll go to you, AJ. What did you do? I said I was going to head down to the MCG to watch Geelong Hawthorne. I wasn't sure what the result would be, but what was the result in the end? Well, Geelong were victorious. Yeah, they were. They were, yes. Yeah, that was good. Well, it was good for Geelong. You battled up off your deathbed to catch a train down and watch your little hawks run around. I enjoyed. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed myself. I had a nice day. Everyone at the had a nice day at the football. So, <laughs> what, what else did you enjoy over the weekend? I enjoyed an NRL double header on Good Friday. Take note, mm. everyone else. Yes, and it was also the grand final replay as the main event: uh, the North Queensland Cowboys versus the Brisbane Broncos, which was game of the year so far. We're only what six rounds in. But it was the best game of those six rounds. Right. <laughs> so, so it wasn't game of the year. It was just the best we've seen. Definitely the best game of round six. <laughs> no, it was great. Um, Anthony Milford hit a 40-metre-odd field goal uh, in Golden Point after a fairly sketchy no-try uh, from oh, the NRL yeah. bunker to Jonathan Thurston. Now, um, I had some discussions with friend of the show, Tim Gore, from the ABC and the Raw.com. Um, and we've looked at it from all sorts of angles and we come up with a different reason to award it and a different reason to not award it every time. So I don't envy those who get paid to do that. No, no. At least they do get to play with all the cool toys in the bunker, though. Time for some confirmations and corrections, and we will get through this quickly because with last week being an AFL preview, we didn't have anything wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Uh, well, actually. Yeah. Because Not immediately wrong. Yeah, because their predictions, they can go very, very wrong. Some of them are looking a bit wobbly, we won't lie. Western Bulldogs may be a little better than we thought. Collingwood are bang on where we thought, though. Yeah, well, let's save the horrible overreactions for our issue of the week. Yes. Time to move on to the high five for the week. And unfortunately, this first one is about golf. Andrew, I understand the Masters, whatever that is, is on next week. Tell us about it. The prestigious Masters at Augusta. Yes, kicking off Thursday, April 7th, which it will be an amazing tournament as it always is. But the best 
thing this year and the reason why it is in our high five this week is that Jason Day has moved back to number one in the world after winning back-to-back on the on the tour. He won the WGC Match Play Championship after winning the Arnold Palmer Invitational the week before. Adam Scott won the Honda Classic and Cadillac Championship the two tournaments prior to that. So those two have shared the last four PGA Tour events and are looking really, really good to... Look, do well at Augusta. I'll say do well. Now, is this a Thomas Muster, Marcello, Rios, Pat Rafter, world number one, where he'll be it for maybe a fortnight and then back down? How does it work? No, so he has been number one. Then he did drop back to number two, I think number three in the world. So Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy got ahead of him, but he's now jumped ahead again. But it's not like... The yeah, sort of Thomas Muster, where it was because there wasn't a lot of quality. It's because there's actually quite a lot of quality, and they're all very well matched. The 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 top golfers are sort of will be able to chop and change who is number one at at any point in time. Okay, cool. So the the good thing with the Masters is it's a putting course. It's not something where if you're a long hitter, you're just going to win. So Adam Scott is seen as, you know, not being a very good putter, but really, if he was down at any course around Australia, he would be the best putter. He seems to win a lot for a guy that can't putt. uh, Yes, yeah. It's just that he's not as good as, you know, the the others in the top 10 in the world. So he seems to have, you know gotten over any issues that he might have had with the the short-handled putter. But Jason Day is the one that is in absolutely cracking form. And let's just hope that on Monday morning, our time, it will be a Australia 1-2. Now, I know very little about golf, but Jason <laughs> yes, yes. Day, and I take an active interest in not knowing much about <laughs> golf at all, but... Jason Day is the dude whose wife got splattered by LeBron James at the basketball, right? That is correct, yes. All right, All right. Uh, I know something about golf. He's also the one who suffered from vertigo oh. uh, towards the end of a major tournament last year. Yeah, that's, that's what I get when I'm hungover as well. <laughs> uh, now, I, I understand, I saw some things on our Twitter feed uh, about a major Australian tournament getting cancelled. What, what's all that about? Yeah, so the Australian Masters for this year has been cancelled. It's unfortunate, and I'm not 100% sure of the reasons behind it. So Adam Scott has done a lot in the last couple of years since he actually won at Augusta to really promote the Australian summer. He, The year after he won the Masters, he actually did a tour, basically, of all of the major Australian tournaments with the green jacket, and it brought a lot of people along. And so IMG are the organization who run the the tournament and they've said that they are in the process of reimagining the Australian Masters Ooh. to ensure the delivery of a wow. world class experience. Achieving outcomes through maximum effort. Uh yes. IMG's an events company, aren't they? Yeah. Are they, yeah. are they actually a Something. golf person or are they just, they have a golf wing? I imagine they have a golf wing. I'm just tagging this right now for the research division. Mm, so IMG, probably International Management Group, I'd imagine. Yeah, it sounds like that would work. They, they plan to unveil the new plans for the event in the coming months. Ooh, planning for plans. Yeah. So it, look, the, the Australian Masters itself is, it does have a, a decent amount of history. It was first held in 79. Is, and it, is it prestigious or is it just because it was the only one? It's prestigious in the Australian context. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so Greg Norman, he won six gold jackets from 1981 to 1990. Tiger Woods came over in 2009 and he won it. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, when he got flown over, like he was flown around to all the different courses by helicopter. Oh. Well done. Good. Well done to him. Yeah, so unfortunately it's been cancelled, but let's hope that they're looking at, you know, bringing some some really good players out for the 2017 edition. Yeah, make it worthwhile. Enough golf. Let's talk scandal. Athletic scandal. I like scandals. Not drug-related scandal, but athletic scandal. We are talking about Miss Talia Martin, who won the stall gift. Now, for anyone who's outside of Victoria, the stall gift is a foot race on grass, which is a handicapped race. And uh, the 15-year-old Talia Martin won it this year. Um, after winning the last two junior stall gifts. Now, there's 40 grand on the line here for the winner. 
Um, she had a 13-metre handicap and just pe- pipped Tierra Exum, who is the sister of NBA starlet Dante Exum. Mm. Now, what happened next, Andrew? Well, she celebrated and had a nice, you know, strawberry thick shake to to celebrate the win. I saw but... I saw the race um, at the Corner Hotel just before Geelong pasted Hawthorne, <laughs> and um, yeah, she, fifteen. She yeah. looks about half that, but anyway, she does. But and so, what happened afterwards? There was controversy because. There, there seems to be a, a standard of how much you're allowed to improve since your last race. And she improved by seven metres. So the race that she was wow. in previously was in Ararat 12 days earlier. She's come out and said her aunt had passed away and she was you know, sort of not feeling in a great space. But that actually didn't matter. That, that didn't impact on her handicap for the stall gift because at that, the, the handicap for stall goes on your best performances, not your worst performances. Oh. So well, that, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, so the other races that she's run this year were in Maryborough and Ballarat in January and February, and she was off 11.5 metres in both of those. Now, just again for our listeners who are outside of Victoria, all of the names you are hearing are regional towns. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So... For her to then come off 13 metres in the stall gift, it's not necessarily out of, out of whack with coming off 11.5 in those, in those other two. Well, just also, sorry, just for our friends outside of Victoria, it's a 110 metre race. 120. On, 120, sorry, on grass. Mm. So she effectively started from 10, with 107 to go. Yeah. And look, there's no suggestion that it's due to any sort of doping. There was initially no suggestion that it was anything to do with betting as there wasn't any irregular activity. However, there was a suggestion, and this hasn't been followed up or anything, that there were bets of $2,000 on her at the odds of $21. Ooh. Yeah, so... Ooh, that's interesting. It is, it is. Her coach, Peter O'Dwyer, has actually coached the last three women's stall gift winners, including his own daughter last year. Wow. So he's got form in being able to get someone up for... I wonder what his cut is. Actually, he... Um, I did read a news article today where he said that he was, you know, if you don't try to hoodwink the handicapper, so to speak, you, you're mad. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, so... He, he, I think he's come out and said, you know, it's not like it was back in the 60s where, you know, you don't try a sting like mm. we used to back in the day. It's like, well, okay. <laughs> the only suggestion really that's coming out of it is that she's been running deliberately slow times in the lead up events to allow her to then get a better handicap, which. Pretty risky strategy. Yeah, because yeah. you've still got to make it. Yeah, you have to run whatever time you're going to need to win that race. Exactly. Yeah. So, look, she was fined $2,000 for her extreme improvement. I think $500 or $1,500. Yeah. Two grand for extreme improvement. So the extreme improvement is because it was outside of the four metres. Oh, all right. Yeah, so $1,500 of that was... Um, suspended on appeal, so only five hundred dollars. Oh, oh, right. So she got to keep her forty thousand dollars. Forty grand. Yeah. So it's a great story that fifteen-year-old uh, Talia Martin was able to win the stall gift. Mm. Unfortunately, there is that little bit of doubt hanging over it. I'm sure that there'll be a few things said about that in the in the next couple of weeks. Whether it changes the um, the rules around the the races, I'm not sure. Maybe, but uh, I'm I'm not going to call it skullduggery. I'm throwing back a long way. But when Ian Thorpe started out, mm-hmm. he had big feet, big hands, and a quite long body. Um, Talia Martin's body is built for sprinting. Yeah, and people used to say they thought Thorpe was on the gear. They thought he was cheating and all of that. But it's just the way his body goes, and it could be just the same here. Which is what the uh, her coach said. It's like you know she's a fourteen year old, fourteen fifteen year old girl. Of course she's going to improve her times significantly during that period. Mm. So well done, Talia. Well done. And yes. Hopefully we don't hear too much more about that. <laughs> Andrew, your home state of Victoria has gone back-to-back winning the Sheffield Shield final, beating South Australia in Glenelg because the big boys have kicked them off the Adelaide Oval. They have. It's very exciting. It's the 30th Shield title that Victoria have won. 
They Victoria was the best team all throughout the season. They were on top of the table for the majority of the season. They only lost top spot in the last round where South Australia beat Tassie. They beat them outright very convincingly. And Victoria were in basically an elimination final with New South Wales. So if New South Wales had a one outright, they would have played South Australia in the final and Victoria were in all sorts and Cameron White who has actually been in and out of the team this year he played a brilliant innings of 97 not out off about 200 balls and saved the saved the game as Victoria drew and made it through to the final and yeah so South Australia was searching for their first title since 1996 there was pro- was that the one where Pete McIntyre blocked out a session or something? Yeah, I'm, I'm not 100% Vaguely sure how long he did block out, but he was a horrible batsman. He was putrid. He was worse than Stewie McGill. and but, feet. Yeah. <laughs> but he did. I, I do recall that one. Yeah. So South Australia, they've got the best fast bowling attack with Chad Sayers, Joe Meddy, Joe Meddy and Dan Worrell. They can, each of them can swing the ball a mile. So... Ooh. Yeah, which is useful. That's and, nice. And it's, it's surprising for Australian Australian, bowlers. Australian batsmen are allergic to the swinging ball, so they're onto something there. Exactly. And, and it, this wasn't a, a typical Shield final where the, the team who finished on top of the ladder only needs to draw, so they get a road and they bat first and put on 700 and well, just they really destroy the game. It, they really got it wrong, didn't they? They South did. South Australia should have listened to our, I think it was episode three, Cooking and Sucking, about soccer. rigging the deck for yourself. So it didn't help when so South Australia batted first and they and they put on um, about uh, about three hundred and it didn't really help them when Chad Sayers injured himself in the was it the eighty fourth over of Victoria's first innings so they had another forty overs of that innings and then the entire second innings where he couldn't bowl Victoria got themselves a fifty nine run lead after that first innings which was thanks to centuries from um, from. Dean and Hanscom, so, and also a half century from, from Cam White. He put on 54 with the number 10, John Holland, to which John Holland contributed five runs. Yeah, I've so, been in partnerships like that. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think I've been in partnerships with you like that where I contribute five <laughs> runs. So South Australia were looking really comfortable in their second innings. They'd almost erased the deficit, and then John Holland came on, took three wickets in five overs, and in that time, Wade ran out uh, Sam Raphael as well. They were four for 76. Just if I can interject here, is uh, John Holland any relation to the legendary test-off spinner Bob Holland? No. All right. Research, but no. That's a shame. So the, the wickets that he got... A great moustache, Bob. Cosgrove and... Mark Cosgrove and Travis Head, neither of them were happy with the decision to, to give them out, so... Oh, you know, well, a batsman who's upset getting given out. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So the other opener, Jake Weatherald and Alex Ross, put on 119, and then South Australia lost six for 54 mm-hmm. at the end of their innings to, to set the Vicks 193 to win. They did that quite comfortably. Marcus mm. Stoinis and Peter Hanscom just knocking off the the runs pretty quickly on the on the final day. Is Hanscom a wicket keeper? He does keep wicket. Yes. Okay. Right. Yeah. He hasn't he hasn't kept wicket for Victoria full because Matty Wade. Though. You oh, are yeah, full Matty of questions. Wade. That's right. He's there. Yeah. <laughs> so Hanscom can and actually Cameron Bancroft from WA, the young opening oh, batsman. Yeah. He's also a keeper. He doesn't keep for WA, but he keeps for his club side. All right. So take us through some uh, run scorers and wiggers takers for the Sheffield Shield 2015-16 season. So yeah, as, as you mentioned, I think it was in two episodes ago, Ben Dunk was the leading run scorer with 838, and Travis Dean and Peter Hanscom with the advantage of an extra game were second and third with 807 and 784. You were mentioning when we were talking about the Shield that there weren't many under-23 batsmen mm. that were doing well. There are some good under-25 batsmen, though. So some young run scorers under 25 are obviously Travis Dean and Peter Hanscom, Curtis Patterson from New South Wales with 738, Matt Renshaw from Queensland, 738, Cam Bancroft, 732, and South Australian skipper Travis Head, 721. So no one's got 1,000 runs. Well, Travis Head got a bit in the final, didn't he, to get to that number? Really good question. Research will, will allow 
uh, us to answer that. <laughs> um, and then the leading wicket takers, Joe Many, again, South Australian, 51, mm. Dan Worrell, 44. So those two were the ones who were hoping to, to take South Australia to, to mm. shield glory. Jesus. Not often you get two bowlers closing in on a hundred combined wickets, and you don't get the don't get the shield. Yeah, it's a cracking effort from from both of them. And Jackson Bird, the forgotten man, he got forty wickets for for the year. He'd have three hundred test wickets if they just kept him in there. Ah, uh, yes, but he doesn't bowl fast enough, AJ. No, he swings the ball, but he doesn't bowl Ooh, fast. He swings the ball. He's a wizard. <laughs> uh, and just finally, young wicket takers. So on my. Um, parameters of under 25 rather mm. than yours of under 23 because that gives us some some actual people to work with. So Worrell, <laughs> Worrell with his 44, Chris Tremaine from Victoria with 36 and Joel Paris with 35 who's played a few games for Australia. Oh, Alright. So, Congratulations Victoria. Yes, well done Vix. Now our fourth item in the high five is the Socceroos. Now AJ you spoke about them. They had a good week. Had a good week. What did they do? Talk to me. Well, we we just touched on it at the end of last week's show. Uh, they had two World Cup qualifiers against Tajikistan and then Jordan at home. Um, as we expected, they did the business against Tajikistan 7-0. Uh, and then this Tuesday night, just gone, they actually flogged Jordan 5-1. That was unexpected, the the magnitude of the back, that the victory. The magnitude. I was expecting a win, but I was expecting a one 1-0, 2-1 sort of result. Because Jordan usually give us a little bit of trouble, but they don't travel well, and they didn't travel very well at all, even with special celebrity coaching appearance by Harry Redknapp. <laughs> and the fact that we were playing on an absolute cow paddock as well. Oh, boy. It's horrible. Where's, where's Eddie Stadium? Where's the surface for a great 60,000 football stadium? Yes. Uh, actually, Francis Leach was uh, tweeting during the game that there should be a national stadium for games like that for football, soccer. Oh, God. Could you imagine the, the competition between states to try to be the, the, the state who would have or the city who would have that national soccer stadium? I say put it in Canberra. <laughs> Anyway, we'll move on from that. That's a, that's a side issue. It is. So, so what does that mean? They are they are now qualified for the World Cup? Well, that the game against Jordan drew to the end their round two qualifying group. They finished top of the group. Jordan finished second. So it actually was a little bit. Um, no, five one is five one. But yep. if they had lost, they'd be out because Jordan are out. Right. Uh, it's a convoluted process of selecting who goes through. Basically, top of the group goes through. There's six groups, and then the next best four of the second best teams go through. And China beat, I think it was DPR Korea um, over after the Socceroos won, which knocked Jordan out. Right. And, and would have knocked us out if we had lost. And so where are we going now? We're not going straight to the World Cup? No, we go to round three, which... <laughs> okay. <laughs> round three of five... But if you're good enough in round three and finish top two, uh, you go through to Russia in 2018. Ah, uh, okay. There's uh, The next group is two... The, sorry, the next round is two groups of six teams. The top two groups from each team... The top two teams from each group even will qualify for Russia. The third place uh, country in each group plays off against each other. That's mm-hmm. round four. And then round five is whoever wins that playoff playing off against the North Central American and Caribbean Association qualifier. Uh, it's kind of like when Australia used to have to play against Uruguay and Argentina, oh, yes. and that, but it's just a different confederation. So basically we want to finish top two so that we don't have to go through that. Finish top two and get all of that out of the way. And I'll, I'll confidently say it here, the way they've been playing throughout this um, qualification period has just been fantastic to watch. Um, it's a tough defensive Jordanian team, like I said. We just shredded them to pieces. We shredded the teams we should have beaten, mm-hmm. uh, and we beat them badly. Uh, it's the sign of a, of an Ange Postacoglu team of a squad. It just puts teams away. They want goals. Yep. They want positive energy. They want the ball in at their feet, not at their opposition's feet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... Uh, 
uh, there's some good midfielders that they're playing through. Tom Rogic, especially, who's taken a little while to flourish. He's had some injuries and uh, people were worried that you could dare say there were massive overreactions to whether he'd be able to make it or not. Um, and he had a fantastic two games, a bit of a cameo against Tajikistan and then uh, was quite was really good against Jordan as well. Aaron Moy from Melbourne City mm. has shown that you don't need to go overseas to have a key role in the national side. He's been really good too. I, I, I must put my hand up and say I didn't really think much of Aaron Moy <laughs> for a couple of years, but he's, he's proved me wrong. He's playing really, really well. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that he has said in an interview that it was the, the doubting of AJ Mithlin <laughs> that has got him to, to this next level. <laughs> um, Matthew Leckie, is a, he's an interesting one for me. He is a brilliant player. As soon as he figures out how to score goals, <laughs> he will be. He will be at the next level. Next level up. Now we'll move on. So there's some players to remember. Brad Smith, who plays for Liverpool, mm. uh, played down back. He's very fit, very strong, very tough, and very, very, very skilled. He's a, it's a good combination. Suits the Australian game perfectly. Mm. Not a hatchet man. Uh, so not a, not a Lucas Neal. No. <laughs> oh, Lucas Neal was good. Let's say he's not a not a musket. Right. Yes. He's uh, got the mentality of a musket, but not the physicality of a musket. <laughs> um, defender by trade, but he was uh, rambling up and down the field, uh, putting in crosses, putting in through balls. He's a really, really good player. And they've, he's had some injury worries um, in the past, and Australia uh, capped him a while back to make sure they kept him. And he's uh-huh. really, he's a, he looked really good. Admittedly, the... Uh, teams they're against aren't fantastic, but if you look good, you look good. <laughs> yeah. What did the did the young fella that we stole from Greece play? He did. He played against Tajikistan. This is Apostolos Dianu or Apo, as he prefers to be known. Um, he is a former second place scorer in the Greek Super League, um, and if you can score in the Greek Super League, you're pretty good because that is just brick walls and buses. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. that's good. <laughs> Yes, it's a highly, highly defensive and uh, tactical league, let's call it. Um, He was born in Greece, moved to Melbourne as a kid. Um, He plays in China now, but when he played in Greece, he's uh, played some Europa League games and scored in them as well. So he's pretty good. Yeah. First look we got at him, uh, I might, I'll paperclip one of these for the issue of the week, but uh, he was was quite good. He set up three goals, won two penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, did you learn that from the Greek style of play? Possibly. <laughs> um, but what was what was uh, most exciting to me was he knows he has an instinctive nose for the striker's space. Yep. And where a striker can run to basically force the guy with the ball to give it to you. That's handy. Yeah. Um, if if he played when Viduka was yeah. at his peak, <laughs> it would be raining goals. Yeah. A few times he he worked in his way into really good positions, but the uh, the midfielder just couldn't see him, or the guy with the the passer just couldn't see him. But a few more games, they'll get that chemistry right. Hopefully, yeah. 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 Um, the next game, I think they got a friendly against England in May. Yep. Uh, and then two games against Greece in Australia. Uh, oh. One in Sydney, one in Melbourne. Where we can rub their noses in We it. might have to check that out. Um, now, he, what I noticed the most about Apo was they gave him the number nine straight away. He didn't get a squad number or anything like that. Oh. He came in with number nine, and there's been a lot of false dawns for the soccer who's at number nine. There's been players who have scored goals for fun overseas who couldn't do anything in the uh, gold jersey like Scott McDonald uh, Nikita Rukovica they tried him as well Um, and there was a lot of talk about naturalising a guy called Richard Porter who was uh, uh, playing in the Uruguayan league and just absolutely dominant over there they never picked him up in the end but there's a lot lot to like about Apo and there's a lot to like about this soccerers team Um, they're not getting the gloss or the coverage of the 06 legends, so to speak, and rightly to this point. Yeah. Because um, they, they get all the adulation because of they qualified for the World Cup after so long yeah. not being there. Yeah. Best night of my life watching that November 2005. Yes. Oof. Um, but they are Asian champions. This squad has won the Asian championship, mm-hmm. which was 
another fantastic night. Yeah. <laughs> if you can ever do it, folks, get yourself to a Socceroos game. It's fantastic. Um, there, I would dare say that they're, they're a little bit more organised and maybe a little bit more focused. It's slightly controversial saying that because Goose Heating had them on rails, as yes. they say. Uh, but that's another sign of an Ange Postacoglu team. Um, focused, hungry, want to win, want to do well. Um, they want goals and they want to win. And we love it. Well, and, and that really will endear them to the, I guess, casual football fan as well. Like, because the, one of the, the things that people decry is that, oh, no, there's no goals in soccer, rah, 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 which mm. you know, isn't necessarily the be-all and end-all, but it will possibly bring some more people yeah. to the game, which would be great. Well, Ange's positive, positive coaching philosophy um, will, yeah, we'll do that, bring people along. Excellent. Now, today, uh, today Thursday, the 31st of March, uh, it was announced that Lauren Jackson was retiring from basketball uh, following some knee surgery she had late last year, but um, she hasn't fully recovered and the doctors have advised her not to play. Which is a shame because she was aiming for the Rio Olympics as her, her swan song. Swan song, yeah. Because she hurt her knee, what was it, a couple of years ago playing in China sure, and yeah. she had surgery. That was the first time that she ever had any issues with her knee and it's basically just been complications mm. ever since. I think she... I read that she the initial one was she pulled the meniscus out of the root of the bone oh, and wow. chipped the bone as well. That's a fair effort. Uh, yes. Wow. Yeah. So, look. And that, that was her first knee injury. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Like, do it right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so in that you know, ensuing two years, she did have you know, sort of infections in the knee. She tore her anterior cruciate ligament and... It was all stacked up against her, but she was, as I said, she was still hopeful of playing in Rio, but unfortunately for her and for the Opals, that won't happen. But geez, she's had a good career. Oh, she's a, we don't use this word a lot, but she's a true legend of Australian sport. Yes. Yeah. She's been around for decades and she's delivered it at every highest level there is in basketball. And she dominated in the best league in the world as well. Yeah. So she made her Opals debut as a 16-year-old and in her Opals career, she's won four Olympic medals, so three silvers and one bronze. Against her sworn enemy, Lisa Leslie, Lisa Leslie in the US. Yeah. Yes. So, and she was, the, like, she was so well regarded within the Australian, not just basketball setup, but sporting setup, that she was the flag bearer for the 2012 Olympics, which amongst Olympians is a really, really big honour. Yeah. So she was, in Australia, the WNBL MVP four times, mm. and she won six titles from 99 to 2010. With <laughs> That's not a bad strike, right? Well, and she wouldn't have been playing every season too. Cause no. She was, it was biding her time, splitting her time between the USA, China and Australia towards the end. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. And the best part about her WNBL titles was the last four series that she won, she was named the MVP for those series. <laughs> so Not bad. Yeah. And I mean, she was like, played for a decade over in... In the WNBA it, with yeah. Seattle, the Seattle Storm. Pick one in 2001, and yeah, we were talking about pick ones being no good last week. <laughs> Lauren Jackson is definitely the best. And she came in at the time, you were saying Lisa Leslie, you know, her sworn enemy, that when Lisa yeah. Leslie was the greatest player. Lisa Leslie, Cheryl Swoops, all of those girls over there. And they had a, an immediate, I think, uh, battle mm. in the 2002 final series where... Yeah, some hair extensions got pulled out. <laughs> I think the hair extension was in the, was in was the Olympics. Olympics? Oh, and wow. in the 2002 final series in the WNBA, it was Lisa Leslie, her errant knee to the general groin region of Lauren Jackson, <laughs> which was her sort of, yeah, first, uh, first experience of... Uh, <laughs> Of the rough that's, and tumble. That's a sign of grudging respect, isn't it? It, it is. It is. And they, you know, they, they played against each other in WNBA finals mm. series for, for a couple of years. And unfortunately for, for Jackson, 
Lisa Leslie was victorious in each of those, but Jackson did play in two WNBA championships, 2004 and I think 2010, mm. and she was the finals MVP in that 2010 series. Wow, that's not bad. It's After many years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, her, which Basically way? cycling through, and we'll talk about this in weeks to come, but the Australian basketballer to make a living has to cycle through many leagues across many countries and to be able to play at that level and then win an MVP, finals MVP, what, 10 years after you yeah. started? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's, well, yeah, and she also won, that was a year that she also won the actual NBA, WNBA MVP. She mm. won that on three occasions, which <laughs> is just, that, and that's what we were saying, like she, she was the best player in the best competition in the world. Yeah. For a long, long time. Mm. Going to be in the Australian Sports Hall of Fame, all of that. And deservedly WNBA so. Hall of Fame, WNBL. I don't know if there is one research division, but if there, there is one, she's in it. Yeah, I imagine it'll be called the Lauren Jackson Hall <laughs> of Fame. <laughs> uh, um, well, her she's last... really nice too. I bumped into her at Tilly's in Canberra once, and she won't remember this, obviously. Well, maybe she does. No, I think her. she does. Yeah, I would too. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's just really nice. Yeah, like she would, both AJ and I spent a bit of time in Canberra and Lauren Jackson, you would often see her just walking around yeah, the, the groceries, shops. Yeah. Doing normal people things. Yeah, and just yeah. stopping to say hello to people. Yeah. So her last three years with Seattle, unfortunately, were, were marred with injury. She didn't actually play a game with them in that time. So that, you know, throws a bit of shade over her achievements. No, over they'll there. still retire her jersey and yeah. put her in the ring of honour and all of that. So we, well done, Lauren. An yes. absolutely brilliant career, one of the best in Australian sporting history. It is not an overstatement to say. Not at all. So, yes, congratulations. And, yes, unfortunate they couldn't go through to the Olympics, but that is not going to impact on her legacy at all. All right. It is time to hit the issue of the week for episode six. This week is jumping to conclusions, and it was inspired by round one of the AFL uh, and the subsequent coverage, overreaction, fan forums, all of that sort of stuff. So, Andrew, give us just give us a quick rundown on what this, this week's issue of the week is all about. So, we've already done it a couple of times at the top of the show, but basically judging an entire season based on one week, one game, one one contest, you know, we're, we've seen in the in the media, it, it, and that's where we're really sort of focusing this. It's a lot of it is the the media, and as AJ was saying, the the fan forums. So you go on to any of those, and you know it's doom and gloom. So Fremantle in the AFL, their, their season's done and dusted because yep. they lost they lost a game. Now. That's then sort of been perpetuated through the media where they've come up with these statistics that says in the last 10 years, only one team that has lost the first two games of, a, of an AFL season has then made the finals. So all the teams that lost this O-M-G. week... I know, they have to win. They're finished. They have to win in round two, otherwise they might as well just go to, to Bali already. Yeah, Bali, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's a consequence of the 24-hour media cycle. Then They need things to talk about. Feed the beast, that's right. And then that has sort of impacted, or sort of it, it impacts on the fans because the fans have got immediate access to, to an outlet through social media, through mm. fan forums, and they speak with like-minded people and it just sort of goes, it, it snowballs. <laughs> and, you know... We, but there's also stories that are, let's, let's just call it what it is it's clickbait yep. putting it there was an article in the herald sun in melbourne today comparing jesse stringer who's a ford is it jesse or jake 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 stringer who's a ford for the western bulldogs um with the greatest or one of the greatest uh, afl players of all time gary ablett senior and it's it's a little bit premature for that i dare say so it's stringer's third season yeah and possibly fourth but he's yeah 
They're, they're saying that <laughs> he he will rule Etihad Stadium in much the way that Gary Ablett Senior ruled the MCG. Please, mm. okay, give us Let, a spell. So, and, and it's not just around a, a a team being victorious or losing. And, and this is where it sort of came from when the Geelong Hawthorne game that AJ and I went to. Obviously, you know Geelong won, and so therefore they are now the premiership, premiership favourites. Yep. And Hawthorne lost, so they're done say, and dusted. In the toilet, Hawthorne gone. It's a it's a shame. It is, it is, you know, <laughs> one one week down and, and we're done and dusted. Well, there was a round one premiership in the NRL as well when uh, South Sydney, the Rabbitohs, absolutely belted um, the Ro- Sydney Roosters, or Eastern Suburbs Roosters, as mm-hmm. I like to call them. Um, and from there, South were going to be untouchable. Uh, they were on their way to a flag, and I think tonight they've barely scraped across the line against Manly. And round three, they lost to St George in an absolute slugfest in the wet. Yeah. And so that was all And then sudden... they lost another game where they barely scored a point. So... Yeah, so they've gone from <laughs> guaranteed premiers to also runs. And I mean, you look at the the injuries that, that happen and the impact that that has on the reporting of, of a team's prospects. So Tom Liberatore from the Bulldogs did his knee at the start of last season. Doom and gloom, Bulldogs can't do anything. Finished. And they ended up making the finals. To the knackery with him. Uh, Jodie Brown, netballer for the Central Pulse, she's done her knee and they're just going, oh, well... They That's got- it for the Central Pulse then, isn't it? Yep, they're not going to be able to score any goals. Well, mm. the season hasn't actually started, so <laughs> let's just... Hold oh wow, that's a, that. that's a good early one. I know. <laughs> Michael Clark doing his hamstring prior to the Cricket World Cup. Australia done and dusted. He was finished. He should have retired. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was yeah. a lot. There was actually quite a few articles around saying he should just go. Who was it? Who was it? Who came in when we were three? I think three for three for a hundred. Oh, was 100. it three for four? Yeah, it was. We I were, can't remember. We certainly weren't in a dominant position. Who who guided us home and hit the winning runs? That would have been Michael Clark. No, Michael Clark. Oh, Michael Clark. <laughs> so there's a lot of it in the AFL, and as we're in Melbourne, uh, AFL is all pervasive here. You can't turn a newspaper without having an AFL-related story, but it's also out there in a lot of other sports. Uh, at the moment in Super Rugby, the Australian teams are uh, having a little bit of a struggle. and Not just on the field, but administratively as off, well. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll actually <laughs> do it. We might do a special report on that in the weeks to come once we get our head around a few things, mm. but... Uh, well, the Wallabies are clearly gone. That's it for them because the Force, Brumbies, Rebels, uh, Waratahs. Waratahs, Reds are not performing all that well. Gone. Gone. Forget it. Yep. So, yeah, the, and it now, goes, you, it, you keep talking about Pakistan yeah. 1992 Cricket World Cup. What, it goes, explain. It goes way back to that. So, Pakistan and the 1992 Cricket World Cup, they, they were gone. They lost their first two games and possibly their first three games. And it was not. See you later, no chance. And then they won the next game and the next game and the next game all the way through to the final where, where they were victorious. And it's, it's something that has been around for a long time, this, you know, writing people off or claiming that you've, you know, that someone is going to be victorious yeah, writing, based on... Writing people on. Writing people on, yeah. <laughs> based on just one single event and it just seems to have got worse and worse with this as i said i said the the access to media that we have nowadays and you i know that they need to fill column inches but come on just (laughs) report on what happened and don't try to extrapolate about what that means for six months down the track yeah let's let's worry about that six months later over from a on a point of indulgence Indulge, indulge away. First game of 2011 AFL season was Geelong against St Kilda. Mm. And it was one of the worst games you'll ever see in your life. And I think it was something like six goals to seven or something like that. And Geelong won in the last five seconds of the game. And for the weeks after that, regardless of the other ones, it was, well, that's, you know, Geelong and St Kilda are going nowhere. Done, dusted. They're finished. And in the end, Geelong won the premiership. And the same thing happened to Hawthorne last year. I think they had a slowish start. So we beat, sorry, Hawthorne beat Geelong convincingly. This actually, this is a really good example of this. Hawthorne beat Geelong convincingly in round one, and all of the reports were, oh, well, 
they're going to win the flag, like call off the season. Yeah. And then by round 10, Hawthorne were five wins, five losses. <laughs> and all of a sudden it was game on. Fremantle were the, the darlings of the, the media. They were top of the table. And then you know, towards the, the end of the season, Hawthorne beat Fremantle by about 10 goals. They beat Sydney by 10 goals the following week. And all it was, you know, oh, this is, you know, this is now the new, the new norm or mm. the, the, the new, um, narrative we're going with so well i tell you what there's also been a few uh early conclusions jumped to over in england in the english british english premier league rather uh where after the first couple of weeks it was all uh big four not necessarily chelsea uh big three let's call it then man city arsenal man united um i dare say no one was gonna no one had the foresight to say that Leicester would be first and Tottenham would be second and West Ham would be fifth. That would that that would be true. Yes, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, I know that they need to sell newspapers, but please, please report on what happened and don't try to extrapolate. <laughs> report and opine. Yes, yes. Don't soothsay. <laughs> <laughs> So oh. I, I I think that that covers our <laughs> our thoughts on the jumping to conclusions. Just 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 cool your jets. Yeah, let's all have a cool drink of water. Here. Yes. <laughs> That's it for the issue of the week for episode six. But if you have some early predictions that you found, uh, send them to us on our Twitter at ASD underscore podcast or facebook.com slash a sporting discussion. That's one word. And if you have a wider issue you'd like us to talk about, uh, hit the same places at ASD underscore podcast and facebook.com slash a sporting discussion. Make sure you include the hashtag ASD issues. As we come towards the end of another episode of a sporting discussion, we take a quick look forward to the upcoming week. AJ, what are you looking forward to this week? Well, what I'm looking forward to is what's not going to be there, and it's cricket. Oh. No more cricket. The end of the cricket season. Cricket, it just kind of staggers around like a drunk old man at the end of a party at this time of the year. <laughs> Everything else is starting up. Uh, all the other leagues are either underway or just getting back into it. Um, yeah, cricket, you're done. See ya. All right. Well, that ties in nicely with what I am looking forward to. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> which is the, the finals of the world... T20. So, oh, good. <laughs> the, oh, yeah. <laughs> in the men, it will be England who beat New Zealand in their semi final, taking on the winner of India or the West Indies, which will be a, a really good final. And then in the women's, it will be Australia taking on the winner of New Zealand versus West Indies, which at this point in time looks to be the West Indies, with New Zealand requiring 14 or four balls. So, both of those will is that, be. Is that a delayed live score? It's a no. It's a live live delayed. It's a live score, but in the past live. when people are listening to this. Wow. Yes. The other that, thing that, that gives me an idea. Delayed live scores. That gives me an idea. We might come back to that. All right. The other thing that I am looking forward to is the the ANZ Championship. So the netball kicking off. They've really, really put a lot of work into into the league and last year the grand final was an absolute cracker Queensland got over the top of New South Wales in like the last like 14 seconds they got in front for the first time um, all game there's netball, netball finals are usually absolute rippers aren't they yeah international or domestic yeah. it's quick it's really quick yeah and and they're trying to put them into bigger stadiums now because they are actually getting they're, they're outgrowing the the smaller stadiums that they're using, which will be very good. A lot more PR around this season too, uh, pitching it at the dads uh, to take their 
uh, daughters along. Yeah, and so they've got a, a doubleheader on Friday night kicking off, but then they've got a Sunday game every week, and that will be played on Channel 10 as well as Foxtel. Oh, good one. So it's not going to be on 1HD like it was last year. It'll be on the main channel. The Firebirds are the... A part of the doubleheader this Friday. So the Northern Mystics and Southern Steel have a, a New Zealand derby over in Auckland and then the Queensland Firebirds take on the mainland tactics in Brisbane. The Sunday Arvo game is New South Wales Swifts versus Melbourne Vixens and yeah, it's great that that's going to be on, on Channel 10. All 72 of the games will be broadcast on, on Fox here in Australia and Sky Sports in NZ and those Sunday ones will be on Channel 10 and they're all... All the games around Australia are going to be able to stream live and on demand via the official Netball Live app, which I think is Ooh, something cool. that, yeah, that is. So the uh, New Zealand Cricket Association they did that for uh, a lot, a lot of their tournaments. You can watch them live on YouTube. So a lot of the sporting associations are, are getting into these you know, new ways of uh, of providing exposure for. For their teams. We are all for as much sport live as possible. That is correct. And that is it for episode six of a sporting discussion. Now, during this episode, you may have noticed some different... uh, Stings, some different bridging music. Uh, that is from the band Black Creek and was given to us by friends of the show, Jack McGrath and Nat O'Rourke. So thanks, guys. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Anyone else got some fat beats or fat riffs they want to send our way? Feel free. Yep. I do love a dirty bass myself. You can listen to a sporting discussion via iTunes, the Wooshka app. Wooshka are our hosts for the podcast. You can get all of our audio there. Uh, you can, If you have the Stitcher app, you can listen to us there as well. If you have the TuneIn Radio app, you can follow us on that as well. Get in touch with us on our social medias at ASD Podcast or facebook.com slash a sporting discussion. That's one word. Use the hashtag ASD issues if you have an issue you want to talk about. Now, we do like reviews, so if you feel like giving us a review when you are downloading our podcast, we would be very, very grateful. Uh, and we do reply to our social media uh, channels. If you want to drop us a line, you go for it on the uh, details we've given just before. We do reply to everything. If it's does if it has an AJ after it, that is me, AJ Mithen. If it has AD, that's Andrew Donison. Don't forget, you can catch Andrew Donison on Triple R FM 102.7 at 7.15 Monday mornings as he recaps the sporting week. Thanks very much for listening, and we will be back next week. <laughs>